Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well and enjoying the 50 most relevant 2021. We're at the number 36. And it's a guy that, let's be honest, we've all owned him at some point in the past two years. More likely in his debut season back in 2019. We're talking about Sam Walsh, one of the, let's be, let us genuinely be honest one of the best fantasy players we've ever seen at such a young age. And we're just going to own him for such a long time. The question will be, is it 2021 that the breakout really happens or is it later down the track? Uh, t- chatting all things, Sam Walsh, I've got Kane on. Hello, buddy. How you doing? Very good, MJ. And what a fantasy prospect we have in Sam Walsh. It is definitely a when, not if with Sam Walsh becoming an elite premium in fantasy and super coach now, for sure. Oh, I- Totally agree. And if you own him in a keeper league right now, even if someone offered you three premiums, you're politely telling them to shove it under their t-shirts. There is no world you can see yourself trading Sammy Walsh out. Let's get into some of the stats of what he's delivered over the past 12 months. Still just the 20 years old. His best score last year in AFL fantasy came against the Sydney Swans. It was 114. That's not an adjusted score. It's what he actually did. While in Supercoach, it ended up being his career high score. Um, it was 161 in that same game. The year prior is his best ever AFL fantasy and dream team score. 137 back in 2019 against the Brisbane Lions. Last year, he ended up delivering a 97.7 Supercoach average. It's while he's going to be priced just under 550K. It's a 77.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, which means he's got an adjusted average, if you'd like to do that, which AFL Fantasy have done this year. That means he's just shy of the 100 marker, a 96.6 in AFL Fantasy. is going to be priced just under 740K, while it's $714,300 in Dream Team. And Kane, when we talk about Sam Walsh, this guy has done not just everything that could have been asked of him from a fantasy footy perspective, but if you look at the two years that he's been on the AFL seasons and delivering for us, he has exceeded expectations almost since game one. Yeah, well, I think Cal Toomey dubbed him the safest pick in the history of drafts, they said this is a 300-game player straight yeah. off the bat. He'll slot in. Does he have the highest, highest upside of the of the group? Maybe, maybe not. But his floor was as high as any prospect he's ever evaluated. And you think back to those junior numbers, often it gets thrown around that a player has good junior numbers. But Sam Walsh really in the top five we've ever seen. He averaged 115 DT. At the under 18 champs, 119 DT in state league and in super coach, 141 in the, cool. in the national champs, 158 in the state league. So those are numbers that are genuinely historic in the, in the crop of the Matty Rao in the following year, Tom yeah. Mitchell in his day. We know Tom Rockliffe in his day. Like when you start scaling these heights and you combine it with a player that's actually picked in the top 10, because often what you'll see with some of these guys is, Massive junior numbers, but if they're picked really beyond the 30s, clearly there's a flaw in their game that actually doesn't sync up. But when you have the combination of a first rounder, typically, and those massive numbers, 
that's when you can really see some huge scoring throughout their career. And like you mentioned, MJ, Sam Walsh wasted no time becoming a genuine fantasy player. Again, first year, 92 DT, 87 super coach. And while it wasn't a massive jump, it was an improvement again, which we know in a second year can be really challenging, yeah. especially in the circumstance of his second year playing out in a COVID impacted season. But the real reason everyone's excited, MJ, is how he finished the season. His run home to the year was right up there across all the formats with some of the best guys to deliver it. That What he delivered just at the front end, it wasn't a horrible front end of the year either. Sometimes we talk about these guys flying home and we contrast it. It wasn't that horrific. In his first nine games in Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 66.7. Again, if you want to play the adjusted average game, fine. It's an 83 three scores 80 plus 80 was the hundred last year in terms of that format of the game and a top score in those first nine games of 90 however in afl fantasy and dream team from around 11 onwards this is what he delivered 83 95 67 88 96 114 95 and 77 that's an average of 89 again you want to play the adjusted game fine that's a 111 in dream team and fantasy while in super coach his first nine games of the year he averaged 86.1 and even included some good ceiling scores in there as well a 140 and a 115 but from that same time mark around 11 onwards he scored in super coach 114, 123, 98, 113, 132, 161, 84, and 119. And over those final few months, he averaged a 118. You get numbers like that at the back end of the year. There's not many guys, if you want to look through the top scoring players in both formats over the last eight weeks, Walsh is right up there with the best of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, MJ. And when you think about what he's priced at, if we just keep it in simple terms like that, 96 DT is what he's priced at. That's 15 unders what he did in his final eight games. Mm. In Supercoach, priced at 98. That's 20 unders what he did in the final eight games. And you mentioned those high ceiling games. 161 Supercoach and a 143 converted in DT. Yeah. And when you look deeper into the numbers, you start looking into the time on ground. The time on ground went from low 80s to high 80s in that second half of the season. So it starts to showcase that when he got more time on ground, obviously that's more opportunity for scoring and he cashed in. Yeah. When you think about the type of player he is, if his time on ground is only at 84%, there's a good 5 to 8% more time on ground he can accumulate. Yeah. And he's a type of player that is suited to the 20-minute quarter game. It's inside and out, runs super hard, tackles, marks, Again, that's why you can deliver those type of numbers in your second season because there's not a statistical column that this guy can kick. It's just incredible. Like if you want to compare him to to like last year's best midfielder, again, um, in parts, Lockie Neal had some slow parts to the end of the year. But if you want to compare him to last year's clear top midfielder, just as a guide to see how he went, um, in Lockie Neal's last eight games, he averaged 122 in Supercoach and an 88 in Dream Team and Fantasy. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team over the last eight games, he outperformed Lockie Neal. Now, Lockie Neal copped an absolute monster of a tag from, from in a really wet game against Ryan Clark. So, so there is a big caveat that you need to factor in there, but he still did it and got within four points per game in Supercoach. Um, really, I think it was Matt Crouch over the last couple of months 
of the year was the only real dream team and AFL fantasy player in the same run of time that outperformed him. And in Supercoach, a player we talked about just the other day in Marcus Bontempelli, he was up there in the 135s um, over the last eight weeks. But again, he's right up there in the mix. You look at some of the seasonal averages that we're putting those last eight weeks, which is about half the season. So it, there's a bit of extra weight you need to put behind that. There's only four midfielders that we currently have listed right now that are priced over that 120 barrier in Supercoach. That's Neil, Steele, Oliver, and McRae. While in Dream Team and Fantasy, over that 90 marker that we delivered through there, there's just the 10 guys, and one of them's Luke Dunstan from, from one game. So again, it's only contrasting someone's 15, 16, 17 games as opposed to eight, but it just gets to show you that this guy for a long stretch of last year can match it with the best of the fantasy players across all formats. Well, that's the thing, MJ. And he's shown that the best that he can do, he hasn't even really had the key role yet. I don't think he's had the role as an inside mid or the likes of Josh Kelly get a really big boost when he got that, that role in his fourth season. He went yeah. from a guy that was more on the outside with the midfield mix they had. But like Walsh, Kelly was a very willing tackler. And when he got around those center bounces a bit more, that's where the big improvement came from. And yeah. I can see the same thing as well. So again, we always sort of say that 110 is about our threshold that we think if you're clearing that, you're right in the mix for a top eight mid. So at his price, to me, if you're picking Walsh, there's mm. an expectation that he's 10 points under price. So you've got to be thinking he's a 106 in DT and probably yeah. a 108 in Supercoach. Again, Supercoach is probably where he's slightly more off the pace. But this is a guy that's played 39 of a possible 39 games. Yeah, he hasn't missed a game there, yet, there's, has he? There's, there's not a blimp on his um, footy career, you know, at a mature level that is injury affected. He's, and that's not to say that he's soft or avoids the, contact, the contest. It's just, you know, the, the way things have fallen for him. So I've got no, we can't have any durability issues. You'd just be saying, is he due for an injury? But we can't really be thinking that awesome. type of way. Yeah, he, he ticks the boxes for us, doesn't he? Durable, isn't one-dimensional in the way he needs to score for us, has a really good ceiling. And even if you want to look back at his 2019 first season and go, okay, where's this guy's scoring basement? Um, well, he just had the three super coach scores under 70 and only two, um, two or three under 70 um, in Dream Team as well. And in that format, I think they were in the final two or three rounds of the year. So even early on in his career, we're seeing he's not prone to a stinker. He's got a bit of a ceiling about him. And even if this projected third year breakout does happen, I, I, is someone really going to tag him over a Patrick Cripps? Is someone really going to choose to try to clamp down on him when you've got a real explosive midfielder like a Zach Williams, I can't, I can't see how someone, unless one or both of them are out injured or suspended, I can't see someone going, the player that's going to help us win this game in the midfield battle is stopping Sam Walsh. Cause he's also not the greatest cleanest user of the ball too. That's where you probably want to get your Newmans, your Petrovsky Seatons, your Sards, um, even your Zach Williams through the midfield, being more of the distributor inside forward 50 more than Walsh and certainly more than Cripps. So 
I don't see a world unless someone really just wants to be a pain in the backside for us where they go, Walsh is the boy we need to stop to win this game. Yeah, I don't see it that way either, MJ. He's more of a thousand cuts player than, mm. um, you know, having a few key moments of, of sheer brilliance on a regular basis. I think what it really comes down to is I think we all agree that there's improvement in Walsh. Yeah. It's just how much do you see? And with guys that are underpriced, again, I'm sure there's another fellow Carlton teammate that's not, you know, that we did the other day in Patrick Cripps. There's a few other guys that are around that mark that have shown ability to score where we're sort of projecting Walsh can get to. It's like, and that's probably the one that actually weighing up is Patrick Cripps has proven that he can do it, but there's a few other concerns around his body, his role, you know, now playing with some other fellow midfielders or a guy like Sam Walsh who just looks to be improving year on year. So mm. I think it depends how much confidence you have in him scaling at least 105, possibly 110. Yep. Um, and for that reason, he has to be heavily considered until you see, honestly, what's prominent is how do the Heffels, the Sloans, the Haightleys, how do these type of guys at the really lower bracket yeah. perform? And then on the flip side, you know, how many of the real big, big dogs, you mentioned Neil, McRae, these guys that are Oliver that do it year on year. Yeah. Do you have space? or a want for a guy like Walsh that you're hoping will jump up. Mm. But obviously we haven't seen it as yet. Again, for me, he's right in the mix because you've seen that back half of the year where he got some more time on the inside. The numbers are for a serious stretch of time in eight games. We've already seen ceiling across two years. We've got yeah. perfect durability um, and we've got historic junior numbers. So yeah. I, I can't knock him on anything and I can't, and honestly, MJ, you'd think that Carlton's have improved their list. Yeah. And we all know that for the most part, more games you win, the more competitive you are, the more control of the ball you have, and the more key scoring players you have also. So yeah. it's really hard for me to knock Sam Walsh. It's just, like I said, how confident are you that he can reach those top heights? Because at the price, he really has to. To be a yeah, success. and especially in Dream Team and Supercoach, where you've got those limited trades, you need him in Dream Team and Fantasy. He needs to be a not just a hundred guy because he's priced basically at that anyway. You need him to give you a little bit more, given that value around the marker. In Supercoach, again, you want to see him buffer that up a little bit higher as well too. While we all want that 110, 115 all across our eight midfield spots. It's unlikely to have that. So you want to time the guys at the right run, but you certainly are going to want a greater return than what you're probably outlaying. In AFL fantasy, you could probably have it a bit each both ways. You go, okay, I'm going to give him a four or five week stretch. And in that period of time, you set the marker of what you need from him. And if he delivers, great. I'm going to hold him to his buy. I think it's round 13 um, that they have as their multi-buy round, or I'm going to look to go, elsewhere because that round 13 buy round it, it is an interesting one how people choose to structure it now, zach Merritt, relevant across all formats probably historically more dream team and fantasy but again relevant through there you've got that bunch of the western bulldogs guys all rolling through there obviously his teammate in patrick cripps lucky neil is there and there's a couple of west coast eagles midfielders that also potentially present some value for us so it's certainly not a, a midfield line there where you go well, there's no one there. So you can build an upgrade narrative for it. You can also go, no, there, there's some fat on the bones still, but you need him to go a little bit higher. I think I think he's got to be in contention for everybody. Um, the question will be, 
What do you need to see in the preseason to select him? And how are you structuring the rest of that midfield unit and the rest of, in fact, all other 29 spots to be able to justify selecting him? That's going to be the hard one, isn't it, Kane? Is can I choose him over a Cripsing super coach? Yes or no? Can I choose him? Uh, but think I'll get maybe within five to 10 points with a Haitley in AFL fantasy. And can that extra 200,000 be better spent elsewhere? This is probably the place coaches are going to find themselves in the dilemma. Yeah. I think that's the dilemma right there. MJ. I think it's more about the other people as opposed to Walsh. I think the only thing that would help or hurt Walsh's stocks would be if we had an injury, if we had some key um, injuries in the inside midfielders, you know, your set of fields, your Kernos, your Crips. Yep. Um, if he's played on a wing and they say um, Sam Walsh is going to be our pure wing, then we don't see many CBAs in his future. Mm. You know, that might be something where you have a little bit of cause for concern because we know that it's really hard to make it as a pure winger. It's really only Gaff and Hunter that can do that um, regularly. So it's a big ask for a third year player to play exclusively out there and scale the heights that we'd need to at that price. But I think, as I said, the more important thing is how does a Haitley look at way cheaper? How does a Heffel look? How do these other guys, you know, Taranto, for example, MJ is also in that realm. You mentioned West Coast players, Elliot Yo. There, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that have proven it. And there's a lot of guys that are a lot cheaper um, in the Haitleys and the Heffels that how do you balance up that midfield? Again, I think AF makes it a lot easier because you're probably just more hunting value. But when you've got limited trades, and you pick a Walsh and he misses and he maybe just flatlines, well, now you're in a bit of an awkward position because, you know, you've got to think about a trade or, you know, carrying him for most of the year. So I think it's going to be more, how did everyone else go? Um, yeah. For me, he's more of a DTAF type of guy, Sam Walsh, than yeah, a super coach so. guy. Um, I just don't see the 120, 115 heights for a whole season just yet. I know he had a better differential this year than he did last year. Um, but I still think he's more of a, his DT and his super coach are going to be similar as opposed to a Crips who could be, you know, 10 to 15 plus in the yeah. super coach department. Um, but on draft MJ, you'd think that this is a guy who could actually have a few um, rounds of outcome. I could see people being super gun ho. He's a top eight mid that would put him in the second round. Yeah. But then I could also see people going, geez, there's a few guys that are cheaper, you know, not cheaper in terms of their, previous average, but they could bounce back. You know, Taranto, I mentioned, Cripps, Yo. Um, so I could see a range from the second round if someone's really convinced that he's going to go 110 plus. Yeah. But I could also see him going all the way down in in probably the sixth if things, um, you know, people just have personal preferences. And again, there's some great names in the back line, forward line, and there's some real key rucks that you probably want as well. It's a tough one. Like he's ranked right now based off last year's averages um, at pretty much at 40 across super coach and, and in the higher thirties in terms of 35, 36, 37 in dream team and AFL fantasy. Again, some of those averages have Luke Dunstan involved who played one game. So it's not entirely pure. So you probably are targeting him as an M3 in terms of where you'd love to draft him. But if you want to own him, you've got to jump it him as an M2. He, he should not be anyone's M1. You, yeah, I think that's the key MJ, isn't it? And as we always say in draft, it only takes one person. It only takes one person in your 10 to 12 team league yeah. to think that he's that guy and then make that move. Again, you can see that I don't think the, the downside is much. I think the downside is about 90, 90. It's what he did this year. Really, so really, it? it's not going to kill you. But again, 
if he does that, he now becomes more of an M6, M7. Yeah. And if you're picking him when you could have got a defender who's doing the same output, yeah, you know, that's where it can start to get a little bit, bit painful. Um, and again, I think most of us listening to this and talking it through are convinced there's a jump. Yeah. How but much? again, it's, it's how much, which in draft, um, you know, you don't get any points for getting someone who's priced at X and does Y. No, it's just right. about getting those best players. So I can, I can see, yeah, I think, I think second, the end of the second is where the keenest of people will go. So what yeah. we're talking about, you know, pick 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Again, that's probably where people have got him as a top eight mid. But again, I'm probably feeling most comfortable in the fifth. If I can get him in the yeah, fifth, um, I'm starting to feel pretty good because that, that is about that 40 mark. Yeah. Um, and maybe again, it's that sort of play on the turn where you can get a guy that you think 110 is my best, 100 is my worst if, if you're hopeful. Um, but you've still got a few other pieces. Again, if you're going in the second round, you can really open yourself up to yeah, miss some guys that are really proven. Like you're going to have potentially, um, let's pick a name out of the hat, like a Jack Steele. I, I don't think he's probably going to go in many first rounds. Um, this year, but if you're choosing Walsh over a Jack Steele, oh wow, like that could pay off huge dividends, but it feels a little bit wrong to be able to do that um, through there as well. So that would be what I'd be looking to do um, along the way. Hey, mate, appreciate your work today as we talk about him. No worries, MJ. If you want to go and check out the uh, rest of the article right now, it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv. There's also a bunch of other articles that are up online for you there. If you want to go and get these podcasts a day early, as well as some extra exclusive content, it is available for you online now by joining our Patreon army. All the links for that too at coachespanel.tv. Tomorrow, we get deeper into the 50 most relevant. Today, we landed with Sam Walsh. He was for you at number 36. Tomorrow we hit 35. Who's it going to be? Well, I'll tell you about him tomorrow.